This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 36. This is Writing Excuses, structuring a mid-length piece. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And we're talking about novelettes and novellas today. Um, I love this format, but it is a really hard one for me to talk about. Yeah, I was when when you first pitched it, and you know, I was thinking, how do I structure these? <laughs> um, and it it took me a little while to think about it. Um, I had a no- novel uh, that I I wrote, and it was not successful at novel length. It was, um, and so I I cut it down to be a novella. And and I was thinking about the differences and the, the choices that I made. And then later I expanded the novella back up to a novel. It sounds like a very convenient experience for this particular podcast <laughs> Isn't it? episode. Yes. <laughs> um, and actually, interestingly, the novel began as a short story and didn't work at that length. Okay. Ooh. So it is actually the perfect. Okay, you just talk for 15 minutes <laughs> and we'll listen. Um, so things that I, I recognized about the, the reason it didn't work as a short story is that it was a murder mystery. And murder mysteries kind of inherently have a lot of locations and characters because you're trying to do, you know, because right. of unless the you're doing, uh, you know, the I, one mansion room right. thing, yes. which is a thing, unless you want to do that thing. Yeah. They work way better if you can be like, here's the crime scene. Yes. Here's this house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sherlock Holmes totally yeah. worked as, um, as short stories doing murder mm-hmm. mysteries, but uh, it, it, I, the problem with it as a short story was that I had too many characters, too many locations, and too many plot threads. So I expanded it up into a novel, um, and it didn't work as a novel because I was a new novel writer, um, and I, I wrote it without an outline, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> recommend for a murder mystery. <laughs> yeah, that's who hard. did it? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so then, um, I decided to cut it down to a novella because by that point I was established as a historical fantasy writer and trying to sell a science fiction murder mystery. Um, so what I did when was, I cut was it. Is this the, the May West? Yeah, this is the May oh, West. Okay. Kiss me twice. I actually really liked that one in well, whatever form I read it in. Did you read it in novella? Nominated as a novella for some awards? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. the Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, it was nominated as a novella. novella it's and a really it was, good novella. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was published in Asimov's. Um, but the differences between the, the novel and the novella were that I did have to cut some plot threads um, and I did roll some characters together. But um, a lot of what I was pulling out was also description. Um, the biggest thing, though, was that uh, the, the biggest difference coming down from the, the novel to the novella was was losing plot threads. Mm. Um, a lot of the subplots went away so that it was it was there, there were still subplots, but they were more thematic subplots than side character subplots. When I started writing novellas. Like in earnest, I'd written a couple just accidentally. Uh, but when I By started trying to write short stories, no, just because I'm like, hey, there's this, yeah, yeah, kind of, right. But during early in your career, before you know, yeah. as a writer, you're like, oh, I should try one of these things, and it just kind of things just kind of popped out at a length back then. Yeah. Uh, when I earnestly sat down and said, I want to learn the novella, um, I found I was really naturally adept at it. 
because of my practice as a novelist. Mm. Whereas short stories, I am not naturally adept at because of my novelist practice. I often yeah. say, you know, that one's like trying to go from basketball to golf yeah. or, or vice versa, where at the same time, the novella is more like going from snooker to billiards or whatnot. Like, they, they're so similar that a lot of the skills transferred for me. And really, it was a matter of, well, I'll take one of these things that would have been in the novel, and I won't fill it out with, you know, three different characters having a viewpoint on it. I'll focus mm-hmm. on this one character, and I will do a character arc for them overlapped with a um, some sort of external plot like I always do, and it worked just fine. In the short story, I can't do that as easily. I can't overlap multiple plot threads. You can in a novella. They just have to be tight, focused around one one character usually. Yeah, and that's one of the the other things. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because that was one of the the first things I did when I was cutting it down was uh, in the original, I had three different viewpoint characters and I cut it down to one for the novella. Hmm. Um, and that was, uh, and that immediately also, in addition to just getting rid of the viewpoints, it also gets rid of pl- of plot threads because each of those characters had a character arc. Can I tell you something else I really like yeah. about the novella and the novelette? It's when I write it and I give it to my writing group or my alpha readers and things, and they come back and say, oh, it needs to be fixed. Me fixing something almost always is adding, right? Mm-hmm. I fix when a novel is broken. I say, oh, I can add a scene. And then smooth out later scenes that fixes that. And it works like a charm for me. But it means that things always balloon in revisioning. Uh, the Emperor, not the Emperor's Soul, um, the, the Perfect State, mm-hmm. uh, my novella, uh, which did get nominated for Hugo, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I did. Anyway, Perfect State. I, I have so many nominations. <laughs> can't keep track of them. Um, Perfect State, um, it, to be fixed, needed a new scene. You can't do that in a short story very easily, right? I, I wrote an extra thousand words. Yeah. I stuck it in the middle of this, and it fixed a whole bunch of the pacing problems and things. It been getting too, it had two slow portions, and we put an exciting portion in between that also showed off world building and character and all this sort of stuff so that when we got to the next slow portion, we, portion, we were on a high, and we wanted a moment to relax and have a conversation. Uh, I love that about novellas. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Then, then I want to give an example because we keep saying all of the things that would have been in a novel, I just take one and that will be the novella. So as an example of this, um, I just finished writing the third Mirador book. That's the, 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 the series that Blue Screen is in. And so that's cyberpunk. And it has one plot thread about um, a, a murder mystery about a hand. So, uh, a left hand is found at a crime scene. It has another plot thread that is about a ghost of the victim. It has another plot thread that is about a gang leader's um, brain implant that has gone missing and people need to find it. And so there's all of these different things and they all tie together. And for the novel, they're all necessary for me to do what I'm trying to do. If I were to do a novella, I would just pick one of them. Mm -hmm. The gang leader's missing electronic brain. We are going to try to find that. And that is a single thing that I can tell and I can do an arc and it would be, you know, probably 30, 40, 50,000 words all by itself and just be done. Yeah. Uh, as, as we're sitting here talking about it, I think one of the other things that, that goes through my head is that it's, it's, it's very easy for us to talk about. You're pulling all of these things out and it makes it sound, a novella sound like it's simpler than a novel. Um, and that's not necessarily true. You can actually have a novella that's a fairly complex plot, 
But what you wind up doing is that it is, uh, you, you pull back then on the description, it becomes less immersive. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, you can have something that is very, you know, is a much more straight ahead that's got a, a, a short story type plot, but you can have the immersion of a novel. And, and so it, oh, that's it's, really an interesting distinction yeah. to make. I like that. We've we've spoken in the past about the the critical importance of uh, scenes doing double, triple mm-hmm. duty. Uh, the shorter the form you're working in, generally speaking, the more duties each scene has to take. Um, it's kind of a luxury with novels when you realize, well, you know what? I need to point up this emotional arc. I need to move this plot thread forward. And I need to do this little reveal and drop this clue and and take two scenes to do that across three different people. And with the novella, as you start pairing back, you realize, well, I still need all those pieces. It's not any less complex. I just got to find a way to do it with these two characters, one of whom is my POV character, all in the same room during this, you know, 750-word scene. Um, that was one of the things that I discovered when I was writing the, uh, the Privateer Press novellas is that I had three POV characters because they wanted three POV characters. And, uh, that's, that's novel length. Yeah. That, that is novel length. And I had to make these scenes do double, triple, quadruple duty in order to get all the story pieces in. Yeah. Let's stop for our book of the week, which is Hazardous Tales. Yes. Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales. Um, this is a, actually a series of middle grade graphic novels about history. And I've got a 10 year old daughter who is a history fanatic. And when we found Nathan Hale's books, she just went berserk over them. And so we put it here in the, in the shorter fiction thing because they are, you know, they, they are shorter. There's, there's not as much story packed in as a whole novel, but, uh, they are delightful. There's a framing story around them of one of Nathan Hale's ancestor, Nathan Hale, who was actually a famous revolutionary spy. Uh, and it's basically him telling stories about American history. My uh, daughter's favorite one is called The Underground Abductor, which is about Harriet Tubman. Uh, but there are, at this point, six in the series, and they talk about the Donner Party. They talk about World War One. They mm. talk about um, the Ironclads and the Civil War. There's lots of different things. And they are they're, they're just really awesome. If you are a history buff... Or have a you know a little kid who is a history buff. They are incredibly cool books. Awesome. So, getting back to this and kind of launching off of that, it was occurring to me as we were talking that a lot of famous novels in science fiction, fantasy in particular, started as novellas or mm-hmm. as novelettes or as short stories. Or a short yeah. stories yeah. today would be considered novellas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wrinkle I, in time. Mm-hmm. I was thinking specifically of uh Dragon Riders of Pern yeah. um and Ender's Game um, and uh Shippuseng. Mm, yeah. Um it, which seems like it's it's interesting to see this form jumping off and I Dragon Riders um you know Dragonflight and Ender's Game are different in that Dragonflight she just put a story that started a, a novel and then wrote the rest of the novel. And yeah. she published the story that was a chunk of it that stood on its own, where mm-hmm. Ender's Game, it was the complete story, mm-hmm. just sparser. Then he wrote a novelization and expanded it, which are two different ways you see this. Like, when I've looked at novellas, I've written a couple of novellas that are a chunk of a larger story. Uh, the one I released last last year in the the uh, the Stormlight Universe. Mm-hmm. It's a chunk of a larger story. Here's this character going off and having a side adventure by themselves 
Um, and I've also been done the thing where it's this is a complete story in itself. Do you guys approach those differently? I know you've done some of this, Dan, uh, a separate or a side story. Yeah, I've done two shorts connected to John Cleaver, um, a a short, short story that will be in an omnibus edition and a novella called Next of Kin. And it was it was very interesting for me to take that character and say, well, I want to tell a story about him, but different. Um, And with the novella, it was structured very differently from the short because the thing with a John Cleaver novel for me is I have a chance to explore John and one specific psychological question he has, and I have a chance to explore a monster, and we get to know the monster really well, and I think that's one of the hallmarks of the series. You don't get that in the short because Mm. there's no time to do both, and there wasn't a lot of time really to do both in the novella either, and so I had to pick one, and so for Next of Kin, I picked the monster, and we get to see the whole story from the monster's point of view. And we kind of see John in the background, but mostly he is, you know, he, he, he's a legend rather than he is a character. And so it, it's the same thing. It's the same story that I'm telling in all the other ones. But like we've said so many times, I'm just telling one thread of it instead of several. Yeah. The, the, one of the things that I realized when I was going from the, um, the novella of Kiss Me Twice back up to the novel version so I, I then took the novella, which was had much more uh, a solid structure compared to my first version of the novel, and then expanded it back up to the novel. And there were scenes in it that you know I just it was the novella. It's like so I just left that scene, and then I wrote some other stuff. You know, I put the other POVs back in, and my readers would hit the scenes from the novella, and you know, and this is. This is, again, this is a novella that was nominated for a Hugo, so the writing's not crappy, (laughs) theoretically. Uh, (laughs) Actually, no, I take that back. That's not a guarantee. But point being, I would like to believe the writing isn't crappy. And uh, I've read the novella. The writing is not crappy. Thank you. Um, And they, uh, they bounced off of these scenes, and they started asking all of these questions about why isn't this and why isn't that, and... And what I realized during the course of this process is that novel readers are reading for the immersion and they assume that if you've left something out, it's because you haven't thought about it. And Mm -hmm. short story readers assume that if know that you've got a limited space and they assume that if you've left something out, it's because it's not important to the story. Novella readers, mid length readers sit kind of in this really nice sweet spot because they read both. So they enjoy the immersion, but if you leave stuff out, they're okay with it. They don't, Interesting. They don't get upset. It's quite the observation. You know, in looking at uh, the way novellas are structured, uh, two of my favorite series of novellas, uh, one's by Mike Underwood, the other's by Matt Wallace. Um, the Sin Du Jour series by uh, Matt Wallace uh, is a series of novellas about a catering company that makes food for, you know, supernatural creatures, demons, and the like. And each of these novellas kind of focuses around a recipe. And if you pull back, you can look at the structure of the series and say, oh, it's like each each entry is a recipe. Um, very cool. Uh, Mike Underwood's series, uh, Genre Knots, um, each novella is 
a genre world that these people are visiting. Um, and I bring both of these up because when we talk about writing novellas, when we talk about structuring them, um, it's worth looking at the way that the market has changed in recent years. Novellas are extremely popular on mm -hmm. Amazon. They're a very, very strong electronic format. And that's where uh, Genre Knots and the Sin Du Jour series have both shown. And, and I think if new writers are looking for a way to experiment with self-publishing, uh, structuring themselves a novella and taking this route might not be a bad idea. Yeah, and, and Genre Knots is a good example of, of one that actually has multiple POVs. Yep. Um, but each one has uh, has a very clear event-driven plot that they're working on, even though there, there may be a character arc for one of the characters, all three of the characters don't get character arcs. Right. Yeah, I will highlight what Howard's saying. We are getting a bit of a novella renaissance. We're in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, spe specifically because publishing realities made the novella sit in a hard place for a long time. Most short story magazines couldn't afford to put many novellas in because they took a large page length, and so they would only anchor with one occasionally by a famous author. And the mainstream publishers, all the work that it took to put a book together had to be the same almost for a novella as a novel, but the people who saw it on the shelf were like, well, that's one-third the size. I'm not going to buy that. But online, its pricing is more flexible with eBooks, and you can do these sorts of things where people say, I want to read a longer story, but I want to read it in one sitting. And it has caused a renaissance. As, like Mary noticed, once upon a time, this was a more dominant form in print because mm -hmm. it, was a, it wasn't looked at the same way where people look at the page length versus the, the cost and whatnot. So we are seeing more novellas coming out. Um, and it is a good place to be if you can write them well, which is the same that we always say. Um, I am going to give you some homework. It's going to be a little different this week because I'm going to target a specific group of people who are like me. Those of you who are listening, who sometimes get frustrated because you have tons of ideas piling up and not enough time to write them. Um, now, some of you listening are like, oh, luxury. Like, I latch onto one good idea, and I spend a long time writing it, and then I search for the next one. There, there are all different types of writers, but I was the type of writer who had so many books he wanted to write that he started to get into trouble because he would write those books, and then those books implied sequels, and the fans wanted sequels, and the publisher wanted sequels, and suddenly there are all these novels, and I am leaving was leaving so many behind that I couldn't get to. Well, when I started writing uh, novellas, part of the purpose in training myself was so to take some of these really great ideas I had and said, let's just do that idea rather than expanding that idea into an entire novel, adding a bunch to it. Let's just do that idea and write it of, of its own thing. And I have found it hugely liberating as a novelist to have this outlet to just try out an idea, but to use my same novel writing skills for. So all of you out there who have these novels you've planned that you may not ever get to, I want you to take one of them and instead make a novella out of it. Um, at least do the structure, uh, do the outline, and see and practice this form and see if it is something that helps you express yourself as a writer. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. 
If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.